Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. There is a certain aspect of what happens in the SEC that's always going to be a little bit about spin control uh, or, you know, spin zone type stuff where, you know, the news is out there. It kind of makes you, in some cases, maybe not look so good. So you sort of do whatever you can to kind of spin it so it doesn't quite sound as bad to your own fans. And it is really interesting how this plays out. And listen, from time to time, Georgia's on the other side of this too. So we're not going to pretend that Georgia's never been forced to kind of spin something to make it sound a little bit better than it is. Because obviously, over the course of the time throughout history, that has happened. But very interesting to watch the way in which Florida, which at one point in time held on to the pledge of a Rick Gilbert transferring from LSU, how Florida fans have reacted once it was decided that Gilbert Noah was not going to Florida. He was going to go to Georgia instead. And there's this kind of feeling around the Florida program of those that follow the the Florida program of, of, well, that's okay. You know, uh, Gilbert couldn't come here. There's all these like weird academic rumors and things like that that have never been substantiated, by the way. Let's make sure we be uh, fair to Rick Gilbert on that. That's kind of the point on this, that, 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 you know, Florida kind of acts like that it was its own choice not to have a Rick Gilbert there in Gainesville, as opposed to Gilbert choosing to leave LSU, considering Florida, deciding that was not the place he wants to be, choosing Georgia instead. But sometimes cooler heads can kind of prevail here. And I do think if you're a Georgia fan, you want a more accurate sentiment of how your big rival Florida actually is either is feeling or should feel upon losing a Rick Gilbert to Georgia. I thought Mark Long, who covers the Gators for the Associated Press, the guy who actually broke the story of the Dan Mullen contract extension. We had him on SEC Country Live yesterday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern time. And I asked him, hey, you know, what is the feeling around Florida right now? What's the mood heading into the upcoming season? And one of the things that Long mentioned on the show thus yesterday, SEC Country Live, which is that not having Gilbert when you thought you would as a potential replacement for what Kyle Pitts had done for you a year before for Florida, that should be viewed as a pretty big disappointment. Mark Long, who covers the Gators, did not hold back his thoughts. Take a listen to this. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, I think the probably the big gut punch was losing Eric Gilbert. I mean, that was a guy they really thought was going to be able to uh, step in and replace Kyle Pitts, and all of a sudden he ends up getting out of his commitment to Florida and ends up at Georgia, of all the places, right? You know, you end up at rival Georgia. So that was gut punch. I mean, I've said before that I believe the SEC is really kind of a zero-sum game. And what that means is, When you do something well for yourself, when you get a recruit or when you win a game or really anything that can be for the positive of your program, you are not only adding to your own, you know, success, you're actually taking that success away from somebody else that there's, you know, that, that everybody's kind of fighting for the same pot, the same pool here. And when you take some for yourself, you are taking it from somebody else. So this is one of those rare moments in which Georgia, by winning the the pledge and the transfer for Gilbert, is not only adding to itself, it is taking something away from Florida. So if you're a Georgia fan, you love the idea of Rick Gilbert coming here and all the ways in which Georgia might be able to use him and the creative stuff that may go on with all of that. You love all of that. But you have to admit, you probably like it 
really a lot too that it's being described as not just a win for Georgia but a gut punch for Florida the kind of thing for Florida that kind of leaves them reeling uh, a, a bit and boy uh, you love that and I think as a Georgia fan many of you probably can't get quite enough of that now of course there as I said before there's going to be this thing from Florida fans of blah 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 it's academics you know this is the Harvard of the <laughs> I don't even know what uh, the Harvard of the Central Florida region, or you know, hard uh, the Harvard of seventy five South, or or whatever they view you know Florida to be from an academic standpoint. But once again, Mark Long, who knows this situation, covered the Gators for the AP for a long time on SEC Country Live yesterday, kind of dispelled the notion that somehow Florida gets to turn its nose up academically here, and uh, that you can kind of explain all of this with Gilbert away on the basis of that. Once again, more strong language from a guy who knows the Florida situation here really well yeah it was pretty stunning that you know it's one thing with the guy's going to transfer or or decommit because he can't get in and that was the at least the talk was that or the thought process was he wasn't he wasn't going to be able to get into school and we understand everybody understands that florida you know is a pretty high academic standard and it's they've turned some guys away who end up playing other places in the sec or around the country but you don't you don't expect. I mean, it's not like Georgia is Ole Miss. I mean, in terms of academics, when you when you lose a guy and then he ends up at you know your arch rival, a, 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 pro, a, a school that's equally you know it's on equal footing academically, then you start scratching your head, going, "What went wrong? Where, 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 you know, what was this?" So if the guy ended up at a JUCO or he ended up at University of Miami or he ends up at you know Florida State or even Ole Miss. You know, you probably go, okay, that's, we get that. But to end up at Georgia, you know, it's the two of the best a- academic institutions in the SEC, Florida and Georgia. And, you know, most people believe that, you know, they're on par with each other. So I think Florida fans are scratching their head and going, you know, where did this, where did, where did somebody screw this up? I mean, I think that's a really fascinating assessment of the situation from a guy who knows the situation really well having covered the Florida Gators for a long time and it really pairs very well with the audio that we played for you was it our Tuesday show when when all of this was kind of coming together before Gilbert kind of made his official announcement that he was coming to Georgia we played to the audio from Kirby Smart going back months ago really kind of dropping the hint for what was likely happening behind the scenes with all of this do you remember when Smart said that he was on the Atlanta radio station, 680 The Fan, saying that, you know, a guy isn't actually on somebody else's roster until he actually shows up and starts going to class, things like that. Essentially suggesting Smart was that the clock had not yet run out on Georgia and its ability to recruit a Rick Gilbert. And that's exactly what Georgia went out and did. They, they won this recruiting battle, and now you're left to kind of think about a couple of things here. First of all, you're left to think about all the interesting ways in which Gilbert can be used in the Georgia offense. You heard Mike Griffith say very strongly yesterday that Gilbert's going to be here to be a receiver, that he's going to do some of the things that George Pickens has done for the uh, Georgia offense before. And I've told you, even when it seemed unlikely that Gilbert was coming to UGA, my feelings on Rick didn't never change, never wavered. I, I've always said to you that if you want to make a physical comparison with a player on the Georgia roster, the guy that Gilbert, to me, most reminded me of on the Georgia roster would have been George Pickens. I said this over and over again that just given you know body type, physical ability, you know 
the way that you measure the athleticism, he's probably closer to being in line with Pickens than maybe anybody else on this Georgia roster. So it's not necessarily a surprise to hear, uh, you know, him kind of using that same sentence, given kind of the way that we kind of felt about him in the past. And obviously, when you've got a creative offensive coordinator like Todd Munkin, I think as a Georgia fan, you are left to believe that. George is in a better position to use a guy like this than it maybe would have been in the past under previous offensive coaching regimes here at UGA. But beyond that, there's this. When you hear the way that Mark Long describes this, and that runs kind of contrast, very much counterposed to what a lot of Florida fans are saying, I think you're left to be reminded of just how aggressive Kirby Smart is willing to be. When a guy makes his announcement to go somewhere else, it certainly seems like in this case, Smart did not give up on that recruitment. Smart knowing that it's not national championship or bust. We've kind of pushed back on the bust part of that many times before. But it is a great time to win a national championship because why not do it now? Why put off until tomorrow what can be done today? Putting everything together on a roster right now that gives you the best chance of winning a national championship. And when you think about Tyke Smith, who is here now, when you think about Darian Kendrick, who will be here soon, we obviously talked a lot about him yesterday. When you think about Gilbert and what he could provide for the uh, Georgia offense, this is certainly the appearance of Georgia doing everything it can to give itself the best chance of winning a national championship right now. And as we predicted, when you do those kinds of things, when you take those kinds of aggressive steps to not just be satisfied with what you have, but also seek your unfair share of talent off other guys' rosters or uh, with players that you that, that were sort of hoped to be going to other schools, when you do that, you're going to make some people unhappy along the way. There's going to be some complaining about the fact that you're playing so rough, that you're throwing elbows out there, and that you're trying to do everything you can to make sure you've got the, the the best possible opportunity to go out there and win. Not every fan base is going to be happy about that, and right now you see a lot of that related to Georgia. But if Florida and LSU and even Alabama, who you seem to hear some chirping from some of their fans about, if they're this mad at Georgia, then the suggestion might be the dogs might just be doing something right. And who knows? Maybe we see the fruits of all this come into a bear here this upcoming season. As Georgia acquires the kind of talent that gives it a chance to get over the hump here this fall, one thing is for sure, it is certain been a fun offseason to watch thus far. My name is Brandon Adams and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans presented today by Meriwether and Tharp and glad to have you with us no matter how you get to us today live on video 10 a.m. Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref and as a podcast wherever you find them all the uh, various podcast players Apple, Google, many of you listen through Spotify, some of you listen right there through SoundCloud, WorldFamousDogNation.com. Of course, we post the show each and every day. The point is, however you get to us, we really appreciate you being a big part of everything we do here. And I am incredibly grateful to my friends at Meriwether and Tharp for making this show possible here today. You know, they're your source for Georgia divorce. Let me tell you what that means specifically. Unfortunately, divorce is one of those things that some of you either are going through now, think you might be going through in the future, or you've been through it, whatever else. Well, if you have been through it, here's the thing you know. To have someone going through it with you is just an invaluable resource to have by your side. And having someone who has the the size, the strength to leverage all the resources necessary for you to kind of rebuild your life on the other side of this. Listen, life is short, right? You want to enjoy the seasons of life that you're going through. And if you're in a relationship that now makes that impossible, then obviously, you know, you know what the next step for you is. 
you know, take that next step. Put Meriwether and Tharp to work for you. They understand the law. They understand how the law impacts you specifically when it comes to finances and family and all, all the stuff related to all of that. This is what they do. They've done it for thousands of people in the past. They are now ready to do it for you. The first step is a free step. It's an initial consultation. You take that, find out all the ways in which they can help. And then after that, they're going to walk with you step for step every step of the way after that. Your source for Georgia divorce, my friends at Meriwether and Tharp. Find them online, theatlantadivorceteam.com. That's theatlantadivorceteam.com. All right. We will get Terrence Edwards here in a moment for more on a Rick Gilbert and exactly everything that's, uh, I think, to be expected from Gilbert at Georgia here this year. Before that, though, let's go around the doghouse on a different subject. I want to talk a little bit about UGA recruiting. Now, tomorrow, Jeff Sintel is going to be with us. And when we get with Jeff, we're going to talk about, and by the way, you got to check out, Jeff's had a nice daily kind of blog type thing up at dognation.com last few days looking at some of the highlighted visitors of who's been in town, you know, the Kamari Wilsons and, the, you know, the Levy's Overtons and, you know, all the big names that kind of rolled through here. Obviously, Big Barry Alexander there as well, whose flight was delayed, but then finally made his way there and kind of enjoying his time in Athens. Jeff is doing a really good job of chronicling this. Now, honesty does compel me to admit that when we have Jeff on the show tomorrow, that not only will we be chronicling the folks who have visited Georgia, you know, we will be a little bit. <laughs> Here's what you hate about the NCAA rules. That the uh, dead period wasn't just lifted for UGA. It's not UGA alone that gets to host recruits right now. You've also got UGA recruiting rivals getting a chance to host recruits there as well. And some UGA recruiting targets, as much as it pains me to admit, but some of these UGA recruiting targets have also been visiting some of these other schools there as well. We've uh, Oscar Delp, Kojo Antwi, both at Alabama here this week. So you've got... <laughs> You've got, unfortunately, not just Georgia hosting these recruits right now. You've got some other schools doing some of that kind of stuff there as well. So we'll try to get the full landscape on all of this when Jeff joins us tomorrow. But if you're watching on video right now, and by the way, if you're a radio or podcast listener, this may be one of those moments. You know, normally on the show, we really work hard not to do too much that's kind of video only. We have to we try to have great respect for our radio and podcast audience because I'm really proud to be on all of those platforms. So most of what we do, we try to make sure it translates to audio. This is one of those moments where this is kind of a cool video. Marcus Washington Jr. was on Before the Hedges presented by Kroger last night, was talking about his time being at UGA and actually on his own Instagram, he had shared some photos of some of the stuff that he had seen while being in Athens. So this is kind of a really cool behind-the-scenes look at the new UGA facilities. Let me let you hear Washington from Before the Hedges presented by Kroger last night talking about this, but obviously for those of you on video, you get a chance to see this there as well. This is Marcus Washington Jr. Well, we got there around 11 o'clock. Um, it was kind of surreal looking at everything that was going on over there. The facilities are awesome to say the least, the weight room or the locker room. Those those two places are uh, pretty amazing. They got the weight room with the jumbotron above everything. Um, they got LED lights in there as well. You got the locker room with uh, the Lamborghini seats. <laughs> yeah, he, he was lit uh, up by them Lamborghini seats in the locker room. Uh, the compartments that they have is a little neat. They can a little side piece where your cleats hang, your shoulder pads hang above you. It's a, it's a lot to choose from for now. So in other words, they spoil y'all up there. <laughs> Just a little saying. bit. I mean, listen, and if you're watching a video, you see Washington sitting in those what were described as Lamborghini seats right there. If I have any weakness in life, I, I do have a little bit of a taste for the finer things. 
you know, I tried not to because obviously with two kids, you don't quite have as much money for the finer things as maybe you once did in life. But I do have a little bit of a taste for the finer things. When he describes those Lamborghini seats, it's kind of funny. The seats that are in front of the individual lockers there in that UG facility. I mean, there's nothing I love more than kind of a nice grain leather. You know, you can feel certain leathers and just sort of know that it's that it's better than your kind of average run of the meal deal here. And I, I love to kind of, you know, just run your hands across that. I guess these are Lamborghini leather type things from what you'd kind of expect to find in a Lamborghini sports car, something along those lines. And there are lots of those really nice, luxurious touches in the brand new UGA facility. I'm really thankful that Washington was able to share some of that on social media. As I said before, if you're watching radio podcast this is probably worth checking out today's video for just to see this and he's not the only recruit that shared some of this kind of stuff but honestly production value and everything else the washington video there is probably about as good as anything i whoever helped either he did that himself or had some really good help with that either way that's a very uh, so his father's, okay, that's really good. Yeah, good job by Mr. Washington, obviously a, a former UGA letterman in his own right, but a really good job kind of putting that video together. It's actually very well produced and a nice nice window into what's happening there for the UGA facility. So a really cool thing to be able to see. And obviously, as I said before, we'll talk more with Jeff Sintel about that uh, on our program here tomorrow. Before I welcome in Terrence Edwards, let me also wrap up around the doghouse there and remind you, speaking of the finer things in life, one of the great things to enjoy right now, and I've heard from so many of you who are doing this, is to check out the Finnish Long Drink. This is a ready-to-drink beverage. They basically just pop the top on the can, and you don't have to nothing, nothing to mix. You know, there's, you don't have to be like a professional bartender to make this uh, cocktail. It's just ready to drink right out of the can. The Finnish Long Drink, four different varieties, whether it's the Long Drink Cranberry or the Long Drink Strong, which is obviously uh, 8.5% alcohol by volume. you got the Long Drink Zero, the original, which I actually really love. It comes in the blue can. I, I love it because it's kind of got the, the sort of a combination of flavors. You have kind of the citrusy flavor, a little bit of a, a grapefruit hint, and you kind of have the nice, strong liquor kick that goes with that kind of a gin type thing, which I think is great, great this time of year, right? You're outside a lot, back decks, swimming pools, everything else. This is one of those things that has been huge in Finland for decades, going back to the 1950s. And, you know, recently made its way to the United States, and now it's made its way to Georgia there as well. And you're probably wondering, where is is it near me? Can I find it? If you're in, like, the bars of downtown Athens, obviously you can find it because it's been huge there. But also a lot of other bars and beverage stores, no matter where you happen to be, you might be able to find this. So go to this website. It's thelongdrink.com. Thelongdrink.com. That'll tell you where you can pick up the finished long drink somewhere near you. Enjoy some. Try it. Find out why so many folks are enjoying it. Ready to drink right out of the can. Tastes great. Four different varieties. Make sure you check out the finished long drink here today. All right. Before we are done on today's program, Believe it or not, there's a little a little bit more yesterday from SEC Country Live I want to get to in terms of the mood around Florida right now. And I've been telling you this, and I think that the words you're going to hear later on the show are going to back this up, that when you hear a lot of national media praise for Dan Mullen, he's always ranked as like you know one of the top coaches in the SEC, top coach in the country, whatever else. I've told you before that sometimes the feeling around Mullen at Florida does not seem consistent with some of the national praise that he gets. And in some cases not even from his own bosses, the administration there at the University of Florida. I've got some evidence to back this up. We'll do that a little bit later on in the show. But for now, on everything else involving Rick Gilbert of George and all the fun stuff around the program right now, let's talk to Terrence Edwards here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com Insider. 
Great to have Terrence Edwards here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. And obviously, Terrence knows Rick Gilbert well, and want to talk to him about the uh, Gilbert situation and the excitement that was, you know, had and enjoyed by so many UGA fans earlier this week when Gilbert made it be known that he's transferring to the University of Georgia. Terrence, let me do one thing before we get there, though. I was just talking about the Georgia facilities, and you know, so many guys have had a chance to. Uh, you know, recruits to visit here the last couple of days, see those with their own eyes. They've shared some video of what they're saying. How much do you help a beautiful? How much do you think a beautiful brand new building like this helps Georgia with its recruitment? Helps Georgia welcome these recruits back on campus after a long 444 day wait to kind of host visitors again? How great is this timing to also have a brand new building to show off? New weight room, new locker room, all the stuff that goes with that. How great is it to have that to show off with these recruits right now? I think it, the timing was <laughs> impeccable. Uh, now, you know, with the uh, guys been able to get back on campus, the NCAA have, have lifted that ban, then being able to show off this brand new toy to these new recruits is, is uh, was very big in the scheduling. And I don't know if it was planned that way or not, but it was an impeccable timing. We also need to make sure these young guys understand, you know, people like you who paved the way for their success at the University of Georgia, y'all didn't have it this nice, right? I mean, listen, Georgia was always a great place to play even back then, but you want to compare the home locker room at Sanford Stadium that you dressed in compared to what these guys are dressing in now on the other side of the stadium and what this football facility looks like in comparison to Buttsmere, which, listen, was nice back then, but... You know, these guys are living in the lap of luxury in the way that some of their forefathers at UGA can only dream about, right? Oh, most definitely. We always, the older guys always jealous. And I guess when I played, the older guys before me was jealous of what we had. But yeah. the times have changed, and, you know, these guys have, you know, all the money in the world to build these nice facilities. And you have to continue to make improvements because every other school is making improvement, and you can't be left behind because – uh, recruits like those things. They like to show off the barbershops, the pool tables, the, everything that they had that I didn't have that, that I am very jealous of. But, you know, in, in my time, uh, when I played, the stuff that we had was considered nice for that time. But these guys, it, it is ridiculous the way these locker rooms and facilities look now. You've obviously been a pivotal figure in Rick Gilbert's life. And as I said before, listen, I can't hold back my excitement about this. Gilbert to George is just a really big deal for UGA. And I am curious, now that it's out in the open, now that Rick is coming to Georgia, what can you tell us about what has led, and I'll call it coming back home, given the fact that Gilbert's obviously from the state of Georgia, what has led Gilbert back home to UGA in your mind? Just a biggest thing that led him back to Georgia is, is family. Uh, I think his family is in 100% agreement with this decision. I don't know for sure if everyone was on board with him being so far away at LSU, but I do know that his family from both grandmothers to fathers to mother to siblings are all happy that he's this close and they're able to see him uh, in just a hour or so drive whenever they need to. I think that was probably the biggest reason he chose to go to Georgia. So when he chose LSU the first time, Terrence, do you think it's fair to say that at the time maybe Gilbert just had some skepticism about how he'd be using the Georgia offense? Look, LSU in 2019 scoring 100 points a game, and Georgia was obviously you know, scuffling along a, a little bit there. 
Do you think that it's maybe fair to say that going farther away from home when he made his choice out of high school was related to the fact that maybe he just wasn't too sure about the Georgia offense at that time? Um, I, I, I do know that, you know, the way LSU offense was ran was a big deal in his decision to go there, just the, the way it looked. I mean, they were throwing the ball all over the place, high octane. So I do know that was a big factor. Uh, what other factors led him to choose LSU, I'm not too sure, but I do know uh, just the the toys that that they had to use to their expense and the way their offense was very explosive. Uh, he liked himself and envisioned himself playing in that style of offense. Uh, so I don't know what the other factors were, but that was a big factor as well. He told 24-7 Sports that he was coming to Georgia to play wide receiver. Should that mean that we should now exclusively consider him a wide receiver, that we mentioned Gilbert's name, we should say wide receiver Rick Gilbert? Do you think you'll line up a tight end at all now, or is this a player that's exclusively a receiver for Georgia? I don't know how they were going to use him. Um, I talked earlier about just the formation diversity that he can bring to an offense where you don't have to sub as much and he can play wide receiver. You're not necessarily bring him down in the box to block, but he could do a lot of uh, crap blocking with the linebackers, you know, have to sub to put a bigger body receiver. So he has a lot of diversity that they can do with him. Um, I don't know if he'll be 100% exclusive at receiver or not, but he's in his mind, uh, he is a wide receiver, and that's where he wants to play. Something you said earlier this week got some attention about his size right now and the fact that I think he checks in, what, 240, maybe close to 250 pounds, and you know that gets some attention from some people. But, Terrence, the thing that I'm reminded of on this is, I mean, look at some of the guys in the NBA. You know, some of the best moments for LeBron James' career have probably occurred with him weighing 260 pounds, something along those lines, that when you're a tall guy with a big, long body and you're carrying a lot of muscle, that muscle's just going to, you know, going to be accompanied with a little bit more weight to it. You know, it's not necessarily all that eye-opening to me that a big guy like Gilbert, who's obviously, you know, got muscle hung all over him, that 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 he's gonna you know weigh a little bit more than your typical pass catcher, your typical you know wide receiver wide receiver mind. I, I don't find it to be all that surprising to hear that he's you know two hundred forty pounds. Now he may play a little lighter than that when the season comes around, I guess. But I'm not all that surprised to find that out, just given the fact that I mean we got a lot of guys in you know in the NBA that, that that are you know heavier than maybe their previous generation of player would have been. Isn't that right? That's right. Um, Air is just a he's a big kid. He's when I first got him, he was 215 pounds in the ninth grade or 220, and he's just a naturally big kid. And uh, like I said earlier, he's always been around 250. Uh, I spoke with his strength training. Say last time he weighed him, before he left, he was 244. Um, so I believe he would probably play around 235 uh, if he's going to play like exclusive wide receiver. I could see 235 at 6'5 being a good weight for him playing outside on the edge. Uh, 250 may be a little bit too big uh, if he's going to be exclusive down at, at receiver, but 235 is the ideal weight in my mind for him. I don't know what he's going to do, but that's just in my mind. Uh, I would like to see him at 235. Uh, but whatever weight he is, he's a he's a freakish athlete. He's a guy that is in heat. 
plays the position like a wide receiver for us, his route running ability, getting in and out, sinking his hips, catching the football. He's just 250 pounds, and I guess people consider that a tight end. Um, he's fast enough to play on the edge. He's big enough, and he's savvy enough to play a true wide receiver. And when I said that last year when he was coming out, people scoffed at me and was like, Terrence is telling this kid to be a, a wide receiver. No, in his mind, he's a wide receiver, and he has the ability of a wide receiver. So I look forward to seeing him uh, practice. Um, I look forward to seeing him donning that red and black, and I can't be more excited for him. Oh, I agree with you 100% on that. Let me finish with this. One of the things you said on the show last week that got a lot of attention was, and I love the description that you said this, you described you know, mind, body, and soul you really liked the place that uh, Rick Gilbert w- was in. And I was hoping you might kind of expand about that a little bit more. You've seen him working out. Obviously, you have a lot to compare this to going back to when he was you know, freshman in high school. And would you mind describing a little bit more about the kind of the, just the place that he's in, both physically and mentally, as he gets ready to show up at Georgia and potentially be a huge part of this offense here this year? Well, I, I can explain just using one word. He's happy. I, I, I think uh, for whatever reason, he wasn't happy there. Uh, not going to get into his personal life, but what I can say to you that he is—he's in a happy state, physically, mentally, socially. He is in a happy place right now. And I spoke to his mom recently, and just to see him smiling again is enough for me. Boy, that's awesome to hear, Terrence. In- incredible stuff. Hey, remind us of this. You know, you're doing great work out there, and I, I, see, I see on social media all the time reminding folks to kind of get back in there and work. You put some wide receivers against some defensive backs here this week, and uh, you got a lot of great things going on right now. So tell folks how they can be a part of that. It's going on, all, of course, all summer long. Next generation of pass catchers, be they wide receivers, tight ends, or something in between, you're out there working with them all. And uh, remind folks how they can get in touch with you. Uh, all social medias, uh, from middle school all the way up to professional ranks. If you want to really hone in on your craft and, and understand the position, uh, you can find me at Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Terrence, great stuff. Thank you for your insight. I feel like we've all understood and learned a lot more about this uh, player and this situation uh, on the basis of your words. I, I appreciate you sharing that time with us, and I look forward to hopefully getting a chance to speak to you very soon here as well. Thank you. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Very interesting, and we're lucky to have a guy like Terrence who was a great player, and you know his numbers still speak for themselves. They hold up and will hold up forever. And the fact that Terrence knows Gilbert so well, we're really we're lucky to hear that. And, and I love the word that he says. When I asked Terrence, I said, you know, listen, what did you mean when you said, oh, I like where he has mind, body, and soul? Tell me more about that. And you think it's going to be a complicated answer, and it's a simple answer. He says, listen, I'm seeing him right now. This is a guy who's happy. This is a guy who's, I'm going to you know, use words he didn't use, but I take that to mean excited about what's about to happen for him and, and, and content in the place that he's in right now. And that's a problem, folks, for the rest of the SEC or Clemson in week one, the teams that have to play. When an athlete of this caliber is happy and comfortable and content and just ready to settle in and you know be comfortable in his own skin, that's the kind of thing that's a potential problem for the teams that he's playing against. And I, I know a lot of high school coaches, and one of the things that I'm always amazed with is how much of their time as coaches is spent trying to cultivate that sense of happiness. You know, players play with a lot of pressure, right? I mean, just there's, there's all kinds of these, you know, 
things pulling on you, whether you be an elite athlete that has an NFL future potential like a Ray Gilbert or just a more traditional high school varsity athlete, there's still just a lot of pressure associated with life. And sometimes that creeps up on you in a lot of different ways. And, you know, good coaches know how to try to find that level of happiness. Get you in a comfortable spot so you can perform your very best. And it sounds like some of that's been what's been going on with Gilbert here too, working towards getting happy. I, listen, I think all these players that we talk about and frankly, all of us who are you know part of this program, we all deserve happiness to enjoy ourselves, whatever station of life we find ourselves in. So if Gilbert truly is happy, I'm happy to hear that. And uh, I'm also excited for what that might mean for him as he gets ready to begin his Georgia career. There is a lot of SEC news, and I mean a lot. So let me quickly uh, shout out my friends at ESOG, and we'll get to it. Engineered Solutions of Georgia, they can help you when it comes to your foundation, waterproofing issues, two big things that homeowners think about, problems that need solutions. And the good thing is that ESOG is a solutions-based company. they got two full-time engineers on staff. They will tell you how to fix all of this, or they will get to work fixing it for you, which is sometimes the thing that has to be done there. Also easy to get in touch with, 678-ESOG now. That's the phone number. Dial 678-ESOG now. It'll get you in touch with Engineered Solutions of Georgia. If that's not enough to want to do business with them, they're proud partners of UGA. That means you're supporting someone who's helping to support the Georgia Bulldogs. And they've been longtime friends of ours here on Dog Nation daily for a long time there as well. And so many of you have been so kind to support the sponsors that help support us. And I will be eternally grateful for all of that. So Engineered Solutions of Georgia, call them 678-ESOG now. So this is kind of weird. It'd be unusual for any position coach to leave a school this late into the football year, given the fact that we're heading into the summer and the start of you know summer practice and everything else. But for the second time in a few weeks, we've had a SEC assistant who's essentially been fired. Uh, it was Randy Clements, the Ole Miss offensive line coach, a couple of weeks ago, and now it's James Clegg. I should say James Craig, the LSU offensive line coach. Now there's reporting coming out of Baton Rouge on this that suggests a couple of things potentially being an issue here. First of all, Craig has not had – you think of LSU as being a dominant recruiting program. Um, they have not had great success recruiting along the offensive line, so that's one of the things that you see LSU, LSU fans commonly mentioning is the fact they've had some high-profile misses when it comes to some of the offensive line recruits they've gone after. But in addition to that, there's also some media whispers around Baton Rouge that some of this could be related to some – you know potential NCAA infractions or something along those lines. What would give credence to that as a possibility, and of course at this point in time that's all just conjecture, but what would give credence to that as a possibility is the fact that all of this comes down so suddenly, so abruptly, that you're watching that pretty closely. There have been some published reports that, that suggest that coming out of Baton Rouge. The obvious question is what happens next for LSU, and there's been some thoughts that LSU might be going after Arkansas's offensive line coach, and I'm blanking on his name, and I apologize for that. Davis, I believe, is his last name. But obviously, if that were to be the case, then you're talking about just huge level of drama. LSU losing an offensive line coach and then going after another team's uh, in the SEC's offensive line coach. Obviously, one of the things that Sam Pittman has done pretty well is hold on to assistance. He kept both of his coordinators in place after some overtures from some other programs, including Barry Odom, really getting a big offer to go to Texas, and Arkansas held on to him. So maybe you have to fight to hold on to another assistant coach here as Sam Pittman, but the LSU offensive line coach is out. Let me run through a couple of other um, uh, SEC through stories here for a moment. And I want to be fair and balanced for a moment. I, t I, t I talked off the top of the show about Florida losing out on a big-time transfer when a Rick Gilbert doesn't go to the Gators, goes to Georgia instead. It is fair to point out, though, that there is some praise out there for some Florida 
transfers, that the Gators have, at least in the eyes of some, effectively used the transfer portal once again. In fact, CBS Sports recently highlighted the top transfers, what they call the impact transfers, for the college football playoff race this year. Three Florida players do get mentioned here. A couple of defensive linemen, Antonio Shelton, most recently of Penn State, Daquan Newkirk, most recently of Auburn. Those are two guys that are thought to be plug-and-play guys for the Florida defensive line. The other name that comes up here is Demarcus Bowman, the running back, most recently of Clemson. It's the Bowman part of this that I think is going to be really interesting because obviously the last couple of years, and this is kind of running counter to what Mullen was famous for at Mississippi State, Florida's not run the ball very much the last couple of years. Not just ineffective when they have called running plays, but frankly at times abandoning the run with their play calling philosophy especially last year and maybe that made sense because you had Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts doing big things in the air but it'll be interesting to see not just in the case of Bowman living up to the hype as a transfer from Clemson but Florida's willingness to now use him in a way that they haven't really used the running game the last couple of seasons speaking of CBS sports I also thought CBS had a very interesting look recently at the first year coaches in the SEC and around college football and I thought what was said about new Tennessee coach Josh Heupel was worth mentioning here that of all the first year coaches in college football for the upcoming season that he may be the coach on the shortest leash I think that makes sense just given the lack of patience that probably right now exists for many Vols fans I want to read you Chip Patterson from CBS Sports on this saying unlike fellow new arrivals Shane Beamer at South Carolina Clark Lee at Vanderbilt this is not Heupel's first time as a head coach and if his early on-field results are more in line with what South Carolina and Vanderbilt do then say what Missouri and Kentucky might do, teams that are thought to be a little bit better than the SECs, then it's going to get tense in Knoxville, Chip Patterson says, about Josh Heupel there. And I think that's probably true. I think that, look, I think that Heupel, having had previous head coaching experience, is going to be graded on a slightly harsher curve. But I think the problem here is it's not like he has the real substantive experience that gives him, I would say, the strength to handle all of just the there's just a lot of nastiness in Tennessee right now with kind of good reason. So I do think that uh, Heupel there probably finds himself in a little bit of a tough spot. But one piece of good news for the Vols, though, 24-7 Sports has reported that a couple of those suspended players, Aaron Willis, a linebacker from, from I think he's Baltimore, Maryland, I think, but a big-time big linebacker, and then Caden Salter, the four-star quarterback signee, 24-7 uh, Sports is reporting that they are now back from their suspension. There were four guys who were suspended as a part of an alleged you know, uh, incident going back to March, uh, but two of those guys now back. This had been essentially foreshadowed by Josh Heupel. They would have a chance to work their way back, and they have now indeed done that. A couple of other stories here real quick. Actually, one more SCC through story we'll get to today. Matt Zenitz from AL.com reporting that Ole Miss linebacker Jacquez Jones is entering the transfer portal. This matters because Jones had 75 tackles a year ago. That led Ole Miss and was second in the team in 2019 with 71 tackles. So this, to me, is another example we say about Lane Kiffin a lot that he's clearly great at generating headlines, and he obviously knows offensive football. It seems like they are set up to have a very big year offensively with Matt Crowell at quarterback and Jaron Ely at running back and everything that goes along with that. But when it comes to the more nuts and bolts, nuts and bolts foundational aspects of running a program, is Kiffin really up to that task? And I would say that if you're losing your leading tackler to the transfer portal this late in the offseason – this just doesn't feel to me like the kind of thing that good coaches do. Now, I don't know what happened with Jones. I'm sure there's a backstory here, and and I'm sure the folks in Oxford may see this a little bit differently. But in a way, I kind of don't, don't really care what happened with Jones. All I care about is the results themselves. 
And this is not the kind of thing that good programs should have said about them ahead of the start of summer workouts and eventually summer practice and everything else. Ole Miss was awful defensive a year ago, and boy, it's hard to imagine them being anything other than worse without their leading tackler coming back from uh, last year. So very interesting stuff there, and we'll make that your SEC through. And here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp, I want to give Georgia fans a chance to now kind of dive a little bit deeper into the scene with their number one rival, the Florida Gators, as told to us by Mark Long yesterday on SEC Country Live. And by the way, I hope you'll check out SEC Country Live every Wednesday, 3 p.m. on the SEC Country video channels, SEC Country on Facebook, SEC Country Live on YouTube. And I've told you for a while, I think some of you think I make this stuff up, that maybe the mood around Dan Mullen at Florida wasn't quite what you think it would be for a coach who's commonly ranked among the very best in the country by many in the national media. But let me give you some proof to back this up. Mullen just signed a three-year contract extension. There was a little bit of a tug of war, push and pull, about this extension in the first place. It seemed like for a while, I'm basing this on something that Matt Hayes wrote at Saturday Down South and and I guess other things here. It seemed like for a while, maybe Florida didn't want to extend that contract extension to Mullen, but uh, eventually it does happen. And you know, all of this kind of comes in the midst of what was a little bit of a weird year for Florida a year ago. Yes, they won the East. Yes, they beat Georgia, and they played it close with Alabama, but they also lost four times, including the final three games of the season. So I asked Mark Long yesterday, a very sober voice covering Florida uh, for the Associated Press, what is the mood around Mullen with the Gators in Gainesville? I thought this was interesting. Take a listen to this. I think the bottom line is people, people think, Dan Mullen needs to be better, needs to be a better recruiter, needs to get a little more talent in there, and needs to maybe continue winning, winning a little bit better. I mean, I, you know, I mean, you go back and Steve Spurrier year two was really good. Year three, I mean, Steve uh, Urban Meyer won a national championship in year two and year four at Florida. So, you know, I think people look at Dan Mullen, and last year was supposed to be the year. They had the best offense since, you know, Steve Spurrier's heyday. They had arguably had a Heisman Trophy finalist in in uh, Kyle Trask, a quarterback. They had arguably the most explosive offensive player in the country in Kyle Pitt. Uh, they had everything you would want last year and four losses. You know, losing at A&M was bad. Losing at LSU on senior night was worse. I think that's really a very interesting assessment of the situation on the field when it comes for Dan Mullen at Florida. But what about off the field, whether it's dressing up like Darth Vader after a brawl between Florida and Missouri, a fight that Mullen was accused of not doing enough to stop, or the way in which he seemingly excuse-made for the loss to Oklahoma in the bowl game, saying our season actually ended after the SEC championship, almost suggesting the bowl game didn't count, or any other number of things that Dan Mullen has been accused of saying a year ago how did florida what did the administration think about some of the controversial statements that mullen made a year ago once again very interesting stuff from mark long the reaction is dan mullen's got to do better needs to do better and they they talked about training him to be better to handle the public perception maybe handle his pr a little bit better you got i mean you, you know you're a spokesman for a major university for a hundred athletes uh, for beloved fans all across the country, not just in Florida, a top 10 program by all accounts, athletically and academically, state schools anyway. And, uh, you know, you've got to be a better representation of, of what we're, we're trying to be about. And that was not, that was not it. It was, a, it was not a good PR year for Dan Mullen. 
let me give you kind of a fair and balanced, at least what I think of as a fair and balanced assessment of all of this. It is obvious that those feelings that Long described could change, right? If Mullen were to bounce back this year, get a big year of Emory Jones at quarterback, you know, find some offensive playmakers to replace guys like Pitts and Gadarius Tony, who are who are leaving the program, have left the program. If somehow, heaven forbid, at least as far as Georgia fans are concerned, heaven forbid, if Florida were to beat Georgia again. All the feelings of Mullen needs to win more or Mullen needs to be better PR or all the things that Long just describes there, a lot of that will go by the wayside and Dan Mullen will more be firmly and fully established as the Florida coach. So it certainly could change. But the flip side of that is what an opportunity for Georgia to kind of step in and put pressure on Mullen at Florida and put some distance between itself and its biggest rival it's it's chief competition in the SEC East what an opportunity for Georgia when you play Florida again this year to kind of kind of stir that up a little bit more whatever unrest uneasiness that seems to exist around Mullen kind of an opportunity to stir that up a little bit more and, and frankly if you'll allow me to be completely candid for a moment you know a little bit of a lost opportunity from a year ago right because the things that that long just described about the mood around Mullen at Florida unfortunately for from Georgia's perspective all of that occurred in a year in which Florida beat Georgia won the SEC East and you know kind of had its best success against UGA and that's the kind of record you hope to correct later on this fall and yes I know a lot of injuries for Georgia unsettled situation quarterback and all that kind of stuff but the game still counted the the results still mattered and to a degree, a little disappointing for UGA that it allowed a year that was just described as tumultuously as that one was to also turn into a year in which Florida broke Georgia's streak of winning the SEC East. The point, though, is a lot at stake for these two teams later on this fall. The feeling that sometimes you get from the national media about Dan Mullen being this you know, uh, incorruptible genius, boy, I don't know that the actual feeling around Gainesville is quite as rock solid as that, and I'm basing that on, obviously, expert testimony there from a guy who knows that situation pretty well. By the way, speaking of lousy, stinking Gators, Gator hater roll call right now. We like to give out our golden shoe in honor of the throne shoe by Marco Wilson uh, last uh, fall. We like to give out our golden shoe on the program here each and every day, and Brandon Griffin gives this to us. He goes back in time to the Florida Hail Mary win against Tennessee. Was this in 2017 when this happened, the Hail Mary? And, and, but he's replacing the, the Tyree Cleveland catch, not with the football, but you see a shoe falling out of the sky there. Uh, really good stuff from uh, Brandon Griffin. We'll make him. He says that's golden shoe material. It indeed is. Uh, very well done. Beautiful artwork there by Brandon Griffin. You are a golden shoe winner for today, and congratulations for that. By the way, Georgia fans, when it comes to that big game against Florida later on this fall, Gatorator countdown 149 days from right now. We think Georgia goes back to Jacksonville. We think they get some big-time revenge against the Gators. We will see you tomorrow, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Merriweather and Tharp. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews Podcast. Cool down. We'll take your comments on what has been a very busy week for Georgia football. And, of course, we will also mention our Georgia softball team in action in the Women's College World Series today, I sort of say this today, by the time you listen to the show, many of you will already know the result here, but 2.30 p.m. this afternoon, best of luck to the softball team against Oklahoma State there in Oklahoma City, certainly cheering them on as they do that. And of course, all of this brought to you by R.S. Andrews, online at rsandrews.com. They will get your air conditioning unit tuned back up to factory fresh specs, but they can also handle your 
your your plumbing, electrical needs, those systems in your house that, listen, I have no idea how that stuff works, but they obviously do. They spent their life learning about that kind of stuff. And they want to put that knowledge to work for you. So find them online at rsandrews.com. A couple of comments here today, and then we'll wrap up. Jim Dogs 85, or should say Jim Dog 85 on the Dog Nation comment section says, with Darren Branch leaving the team, that had become uh, official, I guess, yesterday. He says that opens up one more scholarship. Like Mike Griffith said, you can bet Kirby is prowling around looking to see who else he can add. He might not be done yet. Can he find a plug-and-play left tackle? He says, although with all the five-star offensive linemen already on the t- already on the team, they'd have to be really special to crack that lineup. Not sure that player is out there. Maybe he uses that scholarship internally on a deserving walk-on. He would get a lot of mileage from that move in the press and on the recruiting trail. That's certainly very much a possibility. And I guess the one thing I try to be careful with, uh, Jim and, and anybody else who kind of thinks along these lines, sometimes it's very hard to know how one player's departure immediately impacts the scholarship availability for Georgia. Because obviously you've had, you know, you've had Branch leave, you've had Major Burns leave, but in terms of, you know, when Georgia has that scholarship to to use, I won't pretend to be an expert on that necessarily because all of that kind of stuff related to scholarship count it's always going to be unofficial right there is no official list of here's who your 85 scholarship guys are and you know here's how many you have available to use you can make your best guesses and the best guess for Georgia here this year was that it had a couple of those to use and now it's brought in four transfers it's brought in turnage it's brought in uh, you know Tyke Smith and of course um you know, just this week, Darian Kendrick and Rick Gilbert. You know, it seems like they might have another scholarship out there, but I, I can't say that I know that for sure. Um, I, I can't say that I know that for sure. But obviously, Kirby Smart's going to do everything he can to make the roster as strong as it can be. I guess I'm a little bit more confident, though, about the offensive line than some people are. You know, to me, it seems wholly reasonable that the best five for Georgia along the offensive line includes five guys who are on the roster. That even if Georgia did have the roster flexibility to bring in another offensive lineman, I'm not quite so sure that Georgia would want to or they would feel like it needs to. And it sounds like Jim Dog kind of agrees with that too, only suggesting that as a possibility. But I just am a little more confident than some some Georgia fans who I've heard from, and I'm not, not basing this on Jim's comment, I'm just sort of basing this on a multitude of comments, a little more confident that Georgia finds a quality five there. And I think the versatility of Jamari Salyer is what really gives you the best chance to do that. If Tate Rattledge is emerging at guard, well, then Salyer can be a tackle. If one of the younger guys like a Broderick Jones or Marius Mims or someone like Xavier Truss who's played before, if it seems like one of those guys from that trio is emerging at tackle, well, then Jamari Salyer can play the more comfortable position of guard. And, of course, once you get past Clemson in week one, you can essentially be much more creative about how you use any of these guys. It's really that stern test to start the season that probably matters there as much as anything. Nature Gator, who, as his name would suggest, is a Florida fan, writes to me on Twitter to say that I speak for how Florida fans feel on both my dog show, of course he spells it D-O-G, as opposed to the correct spelling of D-A-W-G, and on SEC Country Live. And you use that SEC Country Live podium to bash Florida and other SEC schools. That approach will not work for getting SEC fans to watch other than UGA fans. Right now, that show is clearly UGA Country Live instead of SEC Country Live. So here's my thought about that. When it comes to my feeling about Georgia within the, the SEC Country realm, I'm very open and honest about that. I started the show yesterday by saying I do Dog Nation Daily every single day, and I cheer for the Georgia Bulldogs. 
I don't apologize for that. I'm not going to hide from that. I'm not going to pretend that. In fact, you watch ESPN now, you see a lot more of, of that from their guys there as well. Stephen A. Smith openly acknowledging being a, a New York Knicks fan. Uh, Skip Bayless for years has openly acknowledged being a, a Dallas Cowboys fan. You know, you know, people in the sports media have favorite teams, and now it's become a lot more acceptable to acknowledge that. And it's one of the things I wanted SEC Country Live to be known for. That I wasn't going to pretend to be some objective, you know, uh, journalist and treat that show as if it was like, you know, being broadcast from some ivory tower somewhere. No, this is a show done by fans for fans, and we're going to, you know, kind of get in there and mix it all up. And that's kind of always been the theme of SEC Country Live, both in its current iteration and going back years ago when the the show first started. So, yeah, we talked some about the feeling around Florida and Dan Mullen yesterday. I openly acknowledge that where I come into that discussion from, I am clearly someone who wants bad things to happen for Florida. But when there is kind of a weird mood that's worth discussing, I think some of that's interesting beyond just my own personal you know, bias, my own personal preference for Georgia to be good and Florida to be bad. So when it comes to my own personal feelings and how that fits into the SEC Country Live show, that has never been something that I've kind of you know hidden from and you know, I, I kind of continue to stand by that. Mitt Layton writes on Twitter to say that he thought about me a lot because he's been listening to a lot of the Dog Nation podcasts and feelings about a Rick Gilbert. He says, I definitely pictured you flipping out over your chair when you heard that Gilbert and Kendrick both were coming to George within minutes. Love your show. Never miss replay. First of all, Mitt, that means the world to me. I really, really appreciate that. Very nice to hear you say. And yeah, I mean, we were super excited. I was in- incredibly excited to get the news of both Gilbert and Kendrick right there together. But as you said, you know, the, the Gilbert thing's been something that's been going on for a long time around here, you know, wanting to see a guy like that at the University of Georgia. And this is two things for me. When you have this kind of unique athletic specimen, that's obviously the kind of recruitment you want to win. But when you have this sort of big-time player from your own state, I think you also want to win that recruiting battle because of that as well. So this was a really cool second chance for Georgia in this recruitment for Gilbert. I'm really, really happy to see it work out second time around. And I really do think that a Rick Gilbert has a chance to be really special, really very good for Georgia. And, you know, you heard Terrence Edwards on today's show saying all the different ways that Gilbert can be used. And I just can't wait to see it. I think that Georgia's got a, a creative offensive coordinator who's really smart about using interesting weapons. Man. Gilbert's obviously a really interesting weapon, so I think it's a cool thing to be able to see. I really appreciate all of you being here for our podcast, Cool Down Today. I appreciate R.S. Andrews making it all possible. Find them online at rsandrews.com. They will show up on time, do the work that's promised for the price that's promised. Story after story, they've been delivering smiles for everyone when it comes to air conditioning needs, plumbing needs, electric needs. Head towards the winter, start thinking about that heating system again. They'll take care of you on that, too. It's R.S. Andrews online at rsandrews.com. You'll have a great day. See you back here tomorrow, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp, and I will look forward to talking to all of you then.